I do believe mm. that my truth, whatever my truth is, is a delusion. And I feel totally great about feeling that way. And the reason I feel that way is because somebody else's truth can be the complete opposite of my truth and it can be equally true to them. So mm. if that's so possible for them, that's what makes me feel like my truth could be a delusion. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. You know what's really funny is that I've literally come off another recording of a podcast. We had all women in that one and it was very much talking about identifying with women and things like that. But I have a feeling that we're going to talk almost the other extreme around some of the things that uh, you do and, and have learned through your work and just bringing that through the lens of what we're teaching here or thinking about. Really, it's just conversations on, on the decision table. And so I welcome you, Dave, to the table where we have been having some really and I mean really interesting conversations in the last little while. One of the things that I'm doing is having just different lenses in which we look through. So this month, our theme is around the, what I believe, by the way, is the secret advantage. And that is the importance of the muscle of human intelligence. And really that's the data we have within ourselves uh, whatever way that comes in, whatever, whether that's environmentally, whether that's in your DNA, whether it's in your brain, there's so many different ways movement. There's so many different ways that we can use our muscle of human intelligence, but it's what we do with that. And I think that's an interesting topic. So when you hear that, what does that conjure up in, in your thinking? Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for asking and thank you for the invitation. And it's a mm. pleasure to meet you. And I'm really looking forward to an amazing conversation. What does that bring up for me? It brings up uh, a whole number of things. Like I, I love the potential for human intelligence. Mm. The first thing that came up for me, in all honesty, was how we quite commonly get confused about intelligence and that we think intelligence lives up here. Yeah. And we spend a lot of time using our thinking brain mm. and not necessarily tapping into our feeling brain. Like it's very common for people to come to me feeling confused about how to make a decision or what decision to make. And my first question to them is, what does your heart tell you? And they're kind of lost mm -hmm. because they've spent so much time throughout their lives using their brain to make those decisions. Not that the brain doesn't play a role, of course it does. Yeah. But I mean, I saw this incredible photograph recently, uh, actually two, one was a yin yang and the dots in the yin yang were a brain, a human mm -hmm. brain and a human heart. And I absolutely love that. And then uh, with one of the men's groups I run or facilitate rather, mm -hmm. I recently got a picture from one of the participants and it was of a person walking a tightrope and the bar that he, that uh, he was holding uh, had a brain hanging off one side and a heart mm. hanging off the other. So uh, I love the way that you, you've been talking about human intelligence and, and mm. drawing on the incredible value of that. And I just wouldn't want the value of the heart intelligence to be lost in yeah. that discussion. But I think that's that's the whole thing is that the world has sort of segregated us in so many ways, by the way. But even <laughs> in our in our intelligence that we bring to the the table is that there's all these integrated pieces, right? Yeah. That often it's a focus of one thing. I don't think it's one thing or the other. I think it's a combination of things. And part of that is connection, that heart. Talk more about what that looks like for you. For me personally, sure. I mean, yeah. I lead with my heart. A nickname for me is Dr. Love. My, nice. my full name is Dave Robbins, so my initials are DR. And you need to speak more like this. I'm Dr. Love. I am Dr. Love. 
There you go. That's yeah, when but, you introduce yourself as that. You that <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, I listened to Barry White albums over and over again to try and help me really tap into that. Yeah, so how it manifests for me is I, mm. I lead with my heart. Everybody is first approached by me uh, through a lens of love. Mm -hmm. My mom was a Rogerian psychologist. Her psychology oh. was based on mm -hmm. Carl Rogers' work. And one of the foundational ideas of, of his was unconditional positive regard. And I think that that's really an incredible component of love. So I would say that that my clients, when I'm working with them, whether it be in the in the group setting or in the individual setting, it's literally that they feel completely and utterly accepted and loved. And through that, we can get into the deep work of personal development. So how it manifests for me is that I lead with love. Mm -hmm. I come into the world, I present myself with this ultimate love and acceptance and appreciation of others and then kind of spread out the way that I interact with the world from that uh, foundational component. So I, by the way, I love, I love love. I really do. <laughs> I Beautiful. really do. Well, here's the thing, human connection. Why do I love human connection? Why is that so important to me, humanity? Because I love humanity and I want humanity to have a voice and, and advocate what it is that we need to get out there. What is interesting though, you talk about acceptance. Mm -hmm. How did you say that? Love and acceptance? No. How did you say that? I, I believe that I, I did. Your words. Yeah. I believe that I did say love and acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I think in concept, this is a great thinking. I think that we all want love if we go down to the fundamentals of things. But mm -hmm. I don't know that that's, this is doing, you know, being done well or mm -hmm. that we are able to necessarily access love and acceptance when we Yet. move into spaces. Yes. Yet. Yes. Yeah. So we know it's important. We know that it's so beneficial for us as humans. Mm -hmm. How do we narrow that gap between where the world is sort of like, there is a lot of division right now and that is not showing love. It's not accepting each other in a, in a, in, in love either. It's saying, Hey, unless you look like me, sound like me, do things the same mm. way. Yeah. You know, and so that wall, that is in a lot of ways that division is actually widening. Yeah. In many cases, not all. Don't get yeah. me wrong. How do we narrow that? A great question. I, th I mean, I think that that's the solution that we're all looking for. And you know how a lot of companies will put together their mission, vision, and values? Well, I do that with individuals. So let's say that I was Dave Inc. My yeah. mission is something very simple and small it's mm -hmm. world peace. Right. World peace is my mission. And pretty simple. And yeah, simple. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just snap our fingers or click our ruby slippers oh, together and make it happen. Yeah. Right. So that's a great question. Where, how do we bridge the, the division? And I think that we tapped right into it at the beginning of our conversation, like the head versus heart, the brain right. versus the heart. And, you know, I don't know about what subjects you learned in school when you were in school, but my guess it wasn't like... I don't really know what subjects I learned either, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, my guess it was something like the three R's that aren't actually all three R's, like uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? Yeah. But, but why isn't it heart-centered community development? Why yeah. isn't it things like healthcare navigation or healthcare personal and communal health care why isn't it about giving back generosity reciprocity relevance instead uh it, it's reading writing and arithmetic so we're really taught from a very young age oh you're such a smart boy or you're such a smart girl yeah. right that it's it's about the brain it's not about the heart right people say things like don't cry they don't say things like don't think <laughs> right it's a very interesting model that we've been raised in that has us really brain focused mm -hmm. rather than really heart focused. So I think that mm, I don't even know if it's brain focused. I reckon it's got a systemized that herd mentality focused okay. rather than brain focused because how much of it is actually thinking about yourself? I remember writing essays, particularly I went to university for a very small stint of my life. I'm more educated in the hard knocks of school than mm. rather than the academic side of it. Although sometimes I do things that, you know, will add little pockets to that because I, mm. I love learning. So I'm not against learning systems. In fact, I really want us to learn more. It's the way we learn. 
Mm-hmm. It's how we learn. And I remember writing an essay at, at university and they said, this is not how we think. This is not what we're talking about here. And because I didn't agree with what they were wanting us to talk about, I got a very low mark. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. the system that we're in. As long as you think like me, as long as you look like me, then that's how we'll be educated. I'm not all against every learning thing or, or schools or anything like that, but I think there's a lot of room, like you said, for us to think differently, to do it differently. I, It's so interesting. I've literally come off another podcast and we had this conversation around students and I've been talking so many times and I said this on the podcast. I said, I have been talking with so many leaders across the the globe around this whole concept of what are we teaching our younger generations in school and in the way that they're learning where there's this piece in your case it's around the love it's that connection it's that touch that feel right and that emotional space there's things around what if i do have smarts How do I use those if they're different to everyone else in the classroom? What does that look like? Instead of me getting segregated because I think differently, how can I be a part of the conversation and connect with others in the room? There's the whole movement side of it. We're taught that the PE situation is you go in, you do this. No, what if it's really about movement and the fact that it helps us to think better, helps Mm -hmm. us to be smarter in the way that we can function as a human being? What if we have to, you know, there's things around mindset and, and mindfulness and things like that and the power of having that in in our work. And, and we know that as adults, you know, we're seeing research on how that's being beneficial. Why are we not teaching that as part of what we're doing, right? And I'm hearing it more and more and more. So I find that fascinating that you bring up. Why are we not doing that? Right. I love that you spoke about it and the and the way that you spoke about that. It it uh, brought to mind this book that I absolutely love. It's called A New Earth and it's by Eckhart Tolle. Oh yes. And in the last uh, I actually know last... Jesse really well. Sorry? I know Jesse really well, his son. Oh, right on. Right on. Yeah, Eckhart uh, actually lives not too far from where I live. Uh, on an island that just neighbors. I, I think I can see it from where where I'm sitting now actually. In the last uh, section of his book there, or the last chapter of his book, he has three sections. Each one is called acceptance, enjoyment, and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And in my work, I've added the two predecessors to that, which are intolerance and tolerance. And it's kind of the five ways we can approach absolutely anything that comes to us in our lives, right? We can sit in intolerance, or we can tolerate it, or we can accept it or we can enjoy it, or we can be enthusiastic about it. Mm -hmm. And the model that I created for my work helps us recognize that we have that choice about absolutely everything that we ever see in our lives. We can sit in intolerance, we can tolerate it, accept it, enjoy it, or be enthusiastic about it, right? And I think that that's one of the pieces that you were tapping into. Like, if I don't uh, learn the same way, if I don't think the same way, Mm -hmm. if I don't look the same way, then, then what? Then what? Then uh, I'm sitting in intolerance of you, or I'm tolerating you, or I'm accepting Mm -hmm. you, or I'm enjoying you, or I'm Mm -hmm. completely enthusiastic about you with all of your difference, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's also not a subject that we're learning in school, right? It might be on the playground that that's what we encounter, and -hmm. that's what our parents encourage, but exactly. the school systems are not picking those subjects. They're working within that systems framework that you were speaking about, the herd mentality, mm-hmm. to create the next worker for the industrial, yes, to continue the industrial revolution, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so that's what came to mind when, when you yeah. brought up exactly that. So, so how do we help people yeah. transform, first even recognize that they're sitting in any of those spots and that they have a choice about which spot to sit in it? sit in and which perspective to choose to believe from that point forward. Yeah. How do we? Uh, well, I'm doing it one person at a time. That's, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's, or, or if it's in a group, then it's uh, eight, nine, ten people at a time. Yeah. Right? It's, and it's, how are you seeing, see, I think this is the tricky piece of it, is a lot of this, these things, and it's come up a lot with this as the lens of human intelligence, is often we know 
that there's huge benefits to this, but how do we measure it? So in the mm -hmm. case of what you're talking about there, it's easy to measure how many people are failing English or achieving English. Mm -hmm. It's easy to measure whether people can understand math or not understand math. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to those things that you speak of, and if we brought that into the school system or into business or into leadership, how do we measure those things? I think that's a great question. Uh, I think it comes back to that thing that you spoke about really to start the entire conversation, which is human intelligence. If we figured out how to measure English and we figured out how to measure maths, we could probably figure out how to measure yeah. emotional intelligence. Like EQ is, is measurable now, right? Mm -hmm. People measure EQ. There's lots of innovative ways to create just about anything that we put our minds to. It's yeah. just, what are we putting our minds to? So, right? so there is, and I agree with that. And I'm looking at different ways to, to bring measurements to a lot of these things, because I think that's so important. I also think that we've got, so now we've got the measurement, you know, humanity isn't a really easy or agile to change in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. We as humans tend to like things the same way. We tend to like going to proven things. A lot of these things have not been proven so much. We might know that there's benefits, but because it hasn't been measured in the past so much, now we start measuring those things. We don't have that data to now go, well, guess what? When you do this, when they're young, this will be the response. Or when you're running groups like this and you're using these as, as your measurements, this is what we've seen. Yes, we're starting to find more and more of this a little bit across the world with research and things like that. But a lot of the time it's gone into this research piece, but the awareness is still at a really beginning stage. And us as humans, we tend to like things. If everyone's doing that, it must be a good thing. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think, so one of my philosophies is that everything just is, and right. then we create the value, mm -hmm. right? So let's look at research as that thing that just is. Here's mm -hmm. research. If yeah. my best guess is that the purpose of research is to help propel us into what's next. But one of the limiting beliefs that we have around research is that you need to do research in order to start that propulsion. Right. We need the evidence for okay. But then if you need the evidence first, how it, that research might actually be preventing us from propelling yeah. us when that's actually its purpose is to propel us, right? Yeah. So why are we doing the research? And yeah. how can we do the research? Maybe we need to start. And then research that because if the research is to propel us, mm. then why don't we just start propelling ourselves and and see if we can measure it and see if it actually can be evident, the propulsion can be evidenced. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though, right? So again, we're creating these things that's in a lot of ways is meant to help us propel forward. But in a lot of ways, when we actually dive deeper, we go, is that helping us to propel forward? And I think, you know, what you speak of in, in the fact of the love and, and coming with love first as your lens, then, you know, how do we propel that forward and not get stuck by the emotional connection that love is also a part of, right? Because in the past, if we get too emotionally involved, there might have been breakdowns, there might have been hurt, there might have been pain that came from that. So we clam up as humans, or if we show too much love, then we're not addressing some of the other areas that are really important as well. How do we make yeah. sure we're doing that? Or how do we get to a space that we be, bring this back as a priority at the table as well? Great question. I mean, what first came up for me when you were saying that is when we were even talking about propulsion, mm -hmm. what does propulsion even mean and who does it mean what to, right? Like yeah. there's a whole number of people who I totally respect who are working on space travel, for example, yeah. right? And dedicating a lot of resource, both intellectual resource and financial resource to figuring out a way to get off Earth. Yes, and correct. And my thought is, 
Like, and people feel like that's propulsion. And my philosophy is, can't we dedicate some of that resource and both financial and intellectual resource to making things work here for humanity? Yeah, it's um, an interesting concept. I actually have been, it's funny you bring that up because I literally have been uh, watching a whole lot of different things and reading around the thinking around that in the last little while. And I thought the same thing. I really, truly did. I said, why Why are we putting so many resources? But I also get it in a way that what they're saying is it's almost like this is so out of control. Yeah. Let's now start something that we know will be beneficial for everyone somewhere else. And maybe we can bridge that gap between what's working here to this. So I kind of get the thinking around that as well. But I know on the other side of it, why can't we why can't we start putting resources more into here yeah and i totally respect i actually love space put me in front of a sci-fi movie or show and i'm i'm hooked like i love that concept and i don't think that they need to be mutually exclusive either no and that's that's what i'm trying to say here on that one right now in saying that uh another thought that came up from the last statement like how how can we actually get to where we want to, where you and I are in in alignment for propulsion, like towards that love. It's really interesting because I have this belief that humans have a tendency to learn the wrong lesson. They'll pick the wrong lesson out of their experience. So you were saying, how do we get to that pure love when there's the hurt and there's Mm. the other barriers that then come up for us to actually access that? Yeah. I'd love to share a story about a friend of mine who in his early 20s was on the beach with all of his mates and they were drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and then they got behind the wheel of a car and they're still drinking and the driver is drinking and he finishes his his beer he rolls down his window chucks the beer bottle out of the window and it smashes on the ground he turns a corner and there's a police roadblock looking for drinkers Oh no, oh no, does anybody have any gum? Everybody quick, hide, hide your bottles underneath the seats. Um, good evening, officer. Anything to drink tonight, son? Um, actually, we did have a couple of beers, but that was up on uh, campus and that was three hours ago. All right, flashlight looks in, doesn't see anything. Drive on through. He drives through, he gets through and, and he thinks, oh man. Oh, man. And he says out loud, that is the last time I will ever drive without gum in my car. Hmm. Right. So there's this lesson that the lesson that he picked up was I need to be better prepared if I'm going to get pulled over for drinking and driving when I've been drinking, as opposed to the right lesson, which would most likely be obvious to us all, which is don't drink and drive. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have a tendency to do that in so many areas. And I watch it over and Mm -hmm. over again. Like I was coaching a coach, actually, and he was telling me about about his relationship with his wife. And I said, what's the most challenging thing for you in your relationship with your wife? And he said, Mm -hmm. well, she's just so easily annoyed. And I said, "Okay, so when is when she comes to you being annoyed what happens for you? He's like, well, well, then I get annoyed and I feel hurt and I get defensive. And I said to him, well, what if when she comes to you annoyed, your interpretation is, wow, my wife is obviously in some pain here and I have the honor and privilege to help be the one who eases it. And he was like, holy shit. I think you just helped me overcome exactly what was blocking me from getting to where I wanted to be with my wife. Because the lesson that he had learned was when attacks come at him, be defensive, be defensive, stand up for yourself. But if the lesson is somebody's coming at me with some pain, they obviously need some more love. If that's the lesson that's drawn, well, that's a totally different story, right? And that's one of the ways that we can start to access love. Are we going to sit in intolerance of our partner's annoyance? Mm. Or are we going to sit in tolerance of it? Are we going to accept it? Or are we actually going to enjoy it or be enthusiastic about it? Oh, my God, here comes my wife at me again, screaming Mm. at me. This is an amazing opportunity for me to just love her the way she needs it. Right? And I say that. Isn't that just faking it? 
Well, sometimes faking it until you make it, right? Like, Is it? I don't know. Is it? I can tell you that I believe that we all live some form of delusion. Is your delusion working for you? Is your delusion the delusion that you want to be living? Mm. Right? Why do you why do you think everyone, like everyone, you know, lives some sort of delusion? What gives you the the backing up for you to think that way? Well, can I ask you a question in return that I think might Always. help us? Okay, Anything. Great. This is a so, conversation, right? Awesome. Yeah. So then what is truth? Mm-hmm. What it's, is truth? Yeah, what is truth? Well, it depends if you're talking on a spiritual thing. I believe God is truth, so that's yeah. one thing. Then I believe truth for me personally is what I have I guess if we go back to the human intelligence side of it, the data that I've put in and figured out and gone, to me, this is truth with what I know. Uh-huh. And so then that is truth to me and what I do. So I love I that. I love that. And my truth my, is true for me and what I do and who I am. But my mm-hmm. truth might be completely different from yours 100% different but that doesn't make it not truth no I agree with you it makes it my truth this is my truth and that's your truth but if they're so different then what is actual truth and that's what I but is that delusional see I'm just challenging the delusional side of it I, I agree with what you're saying there but I don't think that that's delusional. It's it's truth because it is the data in which you are working from. And so that data is true because it's your data. Right. But how is your data tainted? Like the my friend who did the drinking and, mm. and the data that he's collected and figured I out. I didn't has say him. that it can't be t- tainted. I'm not right. saying that it isn't. But I don't think that's delusional. I just think that that's wrong data that you're wired to that has given you the output that you have now talking about. Right. So maybe what's going on here that that's actually the only thing that differs with what we're saying is that maybe you have a negative connotation to the word delusion. Well, I know I'm questioning. Honestly, I'm questioning because in my thinking, I don't see that there is and that I have delusional. So I'm then questioning, oh, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I am delusional that I'm not delusional. Do you know me? So this is the thing about questioning, and I think it brings up a great conversation on this whole topic. When we ask, in the our society has taught us, when we ask questions, it's because I'm trying to prove you wrong, or I'm trying to I'm trying to to make it that I'm right, and you have no idea what you're talking about, so I'm smarter. Or right. it's we're asking questions because I'm trying to take you down a pathway. I'm not. I am literally, and I think that this is where we need to learn as a society that to ask better questions. And these questions aren't because I'm trying to go, well, I've got a negative thing to delusional. I actually don't, I don't know what I have. And so I'm asking the question and going, if I ask that question, where do I sit? And as I talk, you know, ask back and forward, I'm actually getting more and more certain that no, I don't believe that people can be delusional because I think that that truth is truth that comes from comes from the data that you have that then becomes that output. So that's truth to you. That's truth to me. It's not delusional. I think the input, now that's that piece that you speak of there, can be the wrong input that you're putting into there. And then this is bringing out some pretty messy stuff as output. And it's right. that output that is not right, but I don't think it's delusional. Right on. So thank thank you for clarifying yeah. that. I really appreciate it. I also I appreciate this. this is what this is back and forth is about yeah. understanding that and being curious and yeah. and going, okay, I, I don't know how I think on that. I don't know what that looks like. But that's why we bring different people, particularly here on the decision table. But it's it's why I believe that at a decision table, we should have different distinctions. I don't call it diversity. I call it, you know, because I think humanity is first stakeholders at the decision table. And then we bring our distinctions to the table. And so for me, distinctions are things that I, I want to hear through your lens. I want to hear what is true to you and then go back to what I'm thinking and go, what do I need more to make that true to f- for me? 
Right. Okay. And I think we don't do that as humans very well. Yeah, fair enough. I I mean, if I were to come back to, I guess, the definition of delusional. Okay. The, the concept for me is, like, let's say God is truth yeah. or the universe is truth yeah. or spirit sure. is truth or whatever, whatever, whatever. word yep. people prefer is truth. And mm-hmm. if if the input that I'm receiving is teaching me whatever it is that I'm learning, and this becomes my truth, if my truth was actual truth, like if they were completely in line, then I wouldn't see it as delusional. But because I have actually no way to measure how close my truth is to truth, to actual truth, then it feels like it's some sort of delusion to me, right? Mm -hmm. Like a great example would be like, my mission is world peace. You know how many people have told me that that's delusional? But I actually completely believe that it's possible. I believe that peace for humanity is possible. And people think that's delusional. So does, but that's my truth. So maybe it is delusional or maybe their belief that it's not possible is delusional. And I'm not sure. So that's where I come back to the idea of delusional that we're, that from my perspective, we're all living some sort of delusion. And is the delusion that you're living or your belief system or the pattern of thinking that you've created for you, mm-hmm. be it delusional or not, is it working for you? And how are you utilizing it to have it work for you? Mm-hmm. Right. And if people have the capacity to have it work for them or to recognize the choices that they have to make it work for them, then they have, I guess, a higher potential to design their life the way they want it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. I I find it fascinating because even with the still on the delusional piece, um, is I still think from what we know, that it is still a truth to you. Mm-hmm. I think there's, and and that's the piece that I, I still, with what you're saying there, I have a, you know, like I really question that because, and I don't know either way right now because yeah. I don't know that I have enough data to go, yes, that's what I would say or this is not what I would say on that. I really don't. But yeah, I do know for certainty I still feel that the data that I have is the data that is true to me because that's what I know. Now, I don't think that there's an excuse to settle there, and I think that many can settle there. And so a lot of my work is around creating awareness because I think when you know what you know, there's a responsibility. Uh So for you, because of where you are at, what data has come in, things like world peace has become an important lens in which you want to do your work and what your work is about yeah that is a truth to you it's not a delusion it's a truth yeah and there's things that have backed that up for you to see that peace is a good thing war is not that peace is a good thing injustice is not you know that peace is a good thing because love over does everything for you, yes. that is a truth. That is not a delusion. It is not because the data that you have, the work that you do, maybe it's the experiences you've had, the relationships you've been involved in across the board. Things have given you data that yes. has created the output that you now have, which is now your truth. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean that we can't evolve. And in fact, that's what I believe is the new approach to leadership, where leadership is all around evolving. And with that evolving means now I've got this willingness to listen to people more effectively and learn something new, and that might create a new awareness. With that awareness, what do I do? I go, what am I going to take responsibility from now I've got that awareness? We put that into our data. We then go, okay, this is how this fits and aligns, as you said earlier, with what's true to us right now, and then that becomes our output. So that's our truth. So that's where I go 
where does that delusion all come into that pattern of thinking? Yeah, fair enough. And I, I love that. And I am also evolving daily, if right. not every moment, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I guess I use the word delusion because of the discrepancy between people's individualized truths. So <laughs> So if it wasn't delusion, what could you use that might be even more effective? Uh, more effective for you? Or, uh, well, here's the thing. When you use delusion, yeah. and it might be effective to some, but there's others like myself that maybe that's not communicating what you're saying there. And maybe it is. Yeah. And by the way, I'm curious because that word triggered something in me, and I go, yeah. oh, what was that? So that's why I wanted to hear more about why you thought that was a truth. Yeah, so I guess in my work with people and clients and in groups, people come to me with all of the philosophies that they've come forward with believing to be true. And a lot of those uh, philosophies were developed kind of with the wisdom of a very young child. But mm. because we patternize those things at such a young age, we start to believe them to be true. Uh, now, see, that piece is totally delusional. Tell me more. Because that is maybe based on other people's thinking, other people's philosophies, other yep. people's thinking that is right for you. And so that makes maybe that input as delusional input but that doesn't make me delusional because i've got that as input it's just what i do with that input right so most of the people incorporate that input into different ways into different now if the patterns. output is delusional too then that creates that pattern of delusional well that's actually quite common and i think your example earlier mm. of i've stopped expressing love with its yeah. full intent because i've been hurt yeah was a rock was a not the best lesson for that person to learn. No, right? of course not. But then the output is less love and greater protection. Hmm. And in my opinion, that's an input that they received and then a delusional output that's as a hmm. result, right? And I think that that's very common. Like, have you ever had a, a thought that you would label as self-doubt? <laughs> Frequently. I used to, that used to be the way that I would function for many, many, many years. Right. And me as well. So yeah. I would say that pretty much every self-doubt thought is delusional, right? So I'm not saying that there isn't value to it. But didn't they have backing? There were, I would say, and I always say this to clients, right? There's backing to your thinking. There's backing to the three things, buts, not your backside. But, yes. you know, everyone's got buts. There's excuses and there's limitations. And yeah. you've probably got real reason to why those three things are involved in your world. Okay. Right? Because, and that's not delusional. It may have created a, it may be the fact that I'm a mom, I've got lots to do, and I don't know that I can, you know, set this as my target to get things happening. And yep, that's probably true. Now, on the other side of that is, is the drivers for what you want to do there stronger than the fact that you might have to work a little harder here? So that input for that thinking, what came from, well, I'm a mom, I've got all these things to balance, I, they're my responsibilities, I've got to do this, and I don't know that I've got enough time. So that's not delusional, that's actually got good backing to it. And I think there's a lot of situations whether you have been hurt in a relationship, if we go back to that, that there is hurt in that relationship because, you know, someone you loved and adored and you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with decided they didn't want to be doing that and they left and that left a lot of hurt. There's a lot of things that we take on board because of that. Now, it's not delusional. That actually had backing to it. But it's then what do we do with that output? And like we've put that into us. We've put it into all the rest of the data that we have. Now, how are we going to deal with that as output? So I, I love that. If I may be so bold, I think there were a lot of yes, limiting. Awesome. So I think that there were a lot of limiting beliefs in there. 
I don't know if you've I, I don't know if you've heard of Simon Sinek, but he right. So he believes in the infinite mindset. He does, and people will always find evidence to support the thought that they've already got. Mm-hmm. So. If somebody, like, let's go back to the story of the mom. And I know that the story that you portrayed is a very common story. I've got exactly. so much Exactly. That's why I was, trying to, I was trying to do that as a common thing. Yeah. Right. And I, and I thought that was a beautiful example. But I've seen moms thrive <laughs> when their plates are more full than I could possibly imagine. And I've well, seen I'm one mom, of those. Right. There you go. And I've <laughs> seen moms crumble when they yeah. believe that their plates are fuller than they can imagine. And mm-hmm. they've got one eighteenth mm-hmm. on their plate for what mm-hmm. the other person has, right? So like a great example, um, before my wife and I took our kids and we moved to Bali, so our kids go to the green school. Mm-hmm. And in order to make that possible, we had to work our rear ends off to build yeah, our businesses nice. up so that they would function while we were away, et cetera, et cetera. So I was an 18 hours a day, seven days a week guy, as was my wife. And that included parenting. Mm. My wife would be like, at the end of the day, she'd be like, oh my God, I am so busy. And I would mm. be like, I am so full. Right. So yeah. she would be drained from it. It would be depleting her. Yeah. And I would be fed by it Refueling. or nourished by it, yeah. right? And the evidence was the same, right? Our, our schedules were full, but she's interpreting it through a lens of busy, or mm-hmm. uh, yes, busy, and I'm interpreting it through a lens of full. And when I see it through a lens of full, I will find all of the evidence to show me that it's full and nourishing. And when she's busy, she will find all of the evidence to show that it's too much. Right. So that's so that's, that's where I no, I just want to interject because that I agree. That's where I say our human intelligence is part of exercising those muscles is by using different lenses. And that's yes. what I'm saying. So the it didn't come, it came in, and I don't believe it is in, in delusional at that space that it came in necessarily, unless it's delusional thinking that came from that. So that's a total different conversation. But it's true to that person. It's how you use those lenses. So you, same kind of similar situation, but the lens in which you both used were very different. So I love that. I would just say that yeah. we were both in that moment living our delusion. And was, was our delusion serving us, mm. right? So in her case, I don't think it was serving her because she felt mm. depleted by it. Whereas yeah, the, lens, the lens that I chose it served me because I was feeling full and nourished by it. But mm-hmm. I think that both were potentially delusional because which is actually true? Which one is true? You can't know which one is true. And you, yeah, you can't really know which one is true. So if you choose one over the other, it just seems like it's make-believe. Maybe make-believe is better than thing, delusion. And I, and, and I want to pull it into this because I think this is the cool thing about this is – we can both agree to disagree on this particular thing, right? Like that's that's okay. And we can also agree to go, hey, like for me, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna think more about that and 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 go down layers and figure out what you're saying in this way and and you know, like really take on board on what that is. But I think the cool thing about this is that we can we can hear this. We can understand that we are coming from different things. Where we join together and we connect is what do we want to do now we're using different lenses to make that work. And I think that this comes to a point where it's really difficult because often we're wanting people at the table that we always agree with on everything. And by the way, I I agree on so many of the other things that you talked about. And it's funny because I think there's a willingness for us to go down layers of that and to, you know, go back and forth on this. And this is where the learning comes from. But I also think that this is a, it's sort of established a important piece. And that is that across the globe right now, if we disagree, that gap widens again. Uh huh. That yeah. I spoke of earlier. Yeah. In this case, what I want to do is go. Okay, maybe we can agree to disagree on this particular thing, but go. What is it that we now agree on 
and are using the same lens on to now bring that change so that 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 change that you see of world peace becomes a reality. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, again, comes back to that intolerance, tolerance, acceptance, enjoyment, enthusiasm. I am choosing on purpose to be completely enthusiastic about our disagreement Mm. because in truth, that just helps me dig deeper into the way that I think about it and Mm. helps me learn and make either feel a stronger attachment to my belief system or helps me see it through your lens more so and be willing to create that change in my own life. Yeah. And if I live in the enthusiasm, then I actually only appreciate you and celebrate you for that difference Mm -hmm. rather than being like, Oh, you know what? She disagrees with me. I'm moving on. But how many people actually do that though? Right. Oh, I disagree with that person. So I'm moving on. I I had a great example of that where a, um, actually an amazing leader who saw me as very different and in a lot of ways disagreed with who I was as a leader at that time. And I had a client with me at that time. And that particular client said, well, you know, make sure, and she's still with me these days, but, you know, make sure like, you know, you don't hang out with that person and you don't. And I go, no, no, no. I think that person is actually an amazing person. I think that she's in transition right now. She's not even sure how that looks for her. And I think that one day she's going to come around and go, hey, what is it you're talking about? What is it that that looks like? And that day has actually happened. And I could have missed out on that relationship and what that now, what we're about to collaborate on if I had, you know, stayed in that moment, which didn't feel comfortable at that time because I was really different. I have a different leadership style. I like to listen. I like to question. I like to, I like us to be humans first in a relationship so that we can actually then look at the problems that we're seeing. But I always want to say, how can we now shift it towards the solution, right? That is my whole thinking. And I know sometimes that backs up the wrong tree. I would have missed out if I'd seen that as a problem, as a issue, as a thing to walk away from. And now there's massive gold that can come from that. Yeah, I think amazing. that's, but that's not, I, and I've realized that's not the normal way to do things. But I've learned that as such a powerful, powerful thing to do in life is to realize that we are made up of all these things, mm-hmm. that we are not just the professional person over here or, a, um, you know, a private person over here here but we are a whole person that we're bringing to the table and we need to turn up like that i love that and sometimes just like family we disagree yeah yeah step out of fear and into radical openness yeah right just right into radical openness yeah right i'll I'll give you an example of uh, like of something that i would go i would work on with a client in order to help them really understand how the opposite of what they believe may be equally true. Mm. Okay. And I'll I'll share a great story. I have this one client who had recently lost his brother and his Mm. father-in-law to cancer. Mm. And he walked into our appointment. I've been working with him for years. He walked into our, uh, our appointment and he said, Dave, I've got this amazing thing. I'm buying this shirt. It says, fuck cancer. And all of the proceeds go to help support cancer research. And I'm feeling amazing about it. I said, that's, that's fantastic, man. Can you, I love that. And can you just, before you leap into that, can you answer one question for me? And he said, absolutely. And I said, can you tell me why you love cancer? Hmm. And he looked at me and he said, have you not been listening to me, man? Mm. And I said, we've been looking at, we've been working together for years. Have I ever not listened to you? And he said, okay, fair enough. So he sat down on the couch and he sat there for about 10 minutes in complete torment, ah, ah, trying to figure it out. And as soon as he figured out, he was like, oh, oh, and a little laugh came out and he felt like complete relief. I love cancer because my brother's death has has taught me to live an inspired life, to live an inspiring life, to do all the things that he wasn't able to do, to live with that kind of energy to inspire others. And for your father-in-law, well, my father-in-law was a closed off, 
old man who couldn't even get along with his daughter, my wife. And when he got his diagnosis, he softened, he opened up, he communicated, he repaired his relationship with his daughter. Over 300 people ended up at his funeral. And then I said to him, you know what? This is such an inspirational story. I'm going to be sharing it with so many people. He's like, that's another reason I love cancer. So I said, so are you going to make the donation? He said, absolutely. But now I'm doing it from a place where I want to be doing it, not where I feel guilty and mm -hmm. needing to be doing it, right? So a question that I'll always ask my clients is I'll, I'll say, can you tell me something that was one of the worst things that you ever had to go through? in your life. Mm -hmm. And we'll sit there and we'll chat. Sometimes there are tears, sometimes there are not, but they'll express this incredibly challenging thing that they went through. It could mm -hmm. be a week before, it could be 15 years, could be 35, yeah. could be 70 years earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I say, can you share with me all of the gifts that came from that experience? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they start to come out, right? Yeah. And it comes back to that same story that I shared about my client and his relationship with his wife. So he's mm -hmm. been looking at it as an attack. Well, what if you look at it through a completely different lens, like you're saying, yeah. ones where, one where it's a gift. I have one client who was fighting with his wife every day. And I said, every time she comes at you, I want you to picture a bow right on the center of her forehead. Just like, like she's a wrapped gift. And you, <laughs> you, you don't need to tell her that. But just picture that. So when she's coming at you and you're feeling attacked, instead, you're feeling like she's a gift. What is she gifting to you in that moment? Yeah. And they had been together for 15 years. And the, and the year after that was the best year that they had ever had in their relationship, just because he wasn't coming at it through that particular lens, the lens of defense, the lens of keep yeah. myself safe, the lens of fear. Instead, yeah. it was a lens of love. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's so the much. I think there's so much we can learn from love. Like, and we can never pour out enough love. Like, it can just needs to seep from our DNA. If people yeah. want to learn more about you and what you do, how how's the best way for them to do that? Oh boy, listen to this. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've had a few different podcasts that they can check out. I've had a few interviews, mm -hmm. but they can find me at DaveRobins.com, D-A-V-E-R-O-B-E-N-S.com. Mm -hmm. Also at mensgroupvancouver.ca. Those are probably the two best ways to find me or uh, on Facebook or LinkedIn under Dave Robins. Again, D-A-V-E-R-O-B-E-N-S. Yeah. Perfect. So it's come to that time of the broadcast where I ask one question. This is the only question I ask on every single decision table. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, where it is the same question. And it is the fact that part of the fundamentals of leadership that I really believe is awareness, uh, ownership, uh, change and sustainability. And so part of that is now that we've created an awareness here on our conversation, mm -hmm. what are you going to take from this conversation? I am going to take from this conversation, first of all, a little piece of you with me mm -hmm. that I am now going to gift to all of the people I ever interact with from this day forward. I am I could not be me without people like you just challenging me mm -hmm. and and having conversations with me. So I'm going to take a piece of you forward and gift you to everybody who I encounter from, from this day forward. In saying that, I also am going to spend a little bit more time looking at the word delusion and yeah. see, I love that that didn't resonate for you. And I'm going yeah. to take a look at that and do my own growth around that piece. Uh, I'm also, yeah. um, I'm also going to look at how I can study Barry White a little bit more thoroughly so that I can I can say Dr. Love with a better uh, with a, with better mojo. Yeah. Yes. We, we need that to connect with that, that emotion. Yes. Yeah. That is absolutely. powerful. I love those things. That that's really powerful. And I love that about conversation that we can you know, this is this is what it's all about, that we can keep evolving as we have these conversations. For me, what I'm taking from our conversation, again, similar to yours, that the delusional piece is, I realized for me that truth is so strong in 
in learning my own truth, standing mm. in truth and being so real and raw and vulnerable as a leader so that other leaders can have a voice yeah. and advocate. So for me, that is a massive strong point for me is mm -hmm. truth because I've not always stood true to who I am. I have conformed or I have been molded by my environment or I have not had a voice. I was one of those children that had no voice. And as an adult, I was, you know, a young person, I was learning to try and find what that voice looked like. And then, of course, as an adult, I've learned how to have a voice. And as I continue to evolve, I want to know what that voice really stands for. So truth is, I never, and it's one of my philosophies in life is that I never train from. I never teach. I never speak of anything that is not a truth to me or that I have learned in my life because I feel that that's totally aligned with how can I lead in this way if I'm not doing it myself? How can I speak of this if this is not a truth to me as a human being. So for me, again, truth has so much value in my DNA that for me, delusional became such a interesting concept that you spoke from. And I, and I really appreciate you for being able to have that back and forth because that's where curiosity then goes, is that still a truth? Because I know what I know now from what you're saying and in your perspective of your lens that you're using. And, and I think that that's always how we can be more effective in who we are. And yeah. then of course, as then what we're bringing as our truth out to the world and making sure that we are speaking from truth rather than delusion. Yeah, I love it. I actually don't think that they're mutually exclusive either. I do believe mm. that my truth, whatever my truth is, is yeah. is a delusion. And I'm mm. totally, I feel totally great about feeling that way. Mm. Um, be, and the reason I feel that way is because somebody else's truth can be the complete opposite of my truth and it can be equally true to them. So mm. if that's so so possible for them, that that's what makes me feel like my truth could be a delusion. And if I could say one last thing, I love that you mentioned curiosity because that's one of my values. And I think it's actually one of the greatest ways toward world peace because we have a tendency to get defensive when yeah. something feels like an attack rather than picking the lens of curiosity. Mm. Right? And if we pick the lens of curiosity, it can wash away that defensiveness and all of a sudden we can be like oh what's going on for this person what did i do that triggered that all, yeah. all of those sorts of incredible curiosities that uh that then pave the way or create a conduit to that radical openness that i mentioned as yeah, well i so agree to that and i love curiosity and i'm learning to embrace that more as an adult but also then go can I communicate this to you in what I'm seeing? And then you tell me how you're seeing this and we communicate it back and forth because how I receive something may be really different to how you receive it and then how we communicate it or what we do with that data. If we go back to the data, what we do with that data within us and then communicate it back out. And sometimes part of evolving is that we haven't fully developed what that looks like in us as a truth either. And, you know, so that output's not necessarily all clear or, or a firm belief of or values or anything, because it's still in that evolving stage. And I think that with curiosity, we give space for people to be able to evolve in. And I think that that's the most powerful thing that we can do. Yeah. And I love that. And may from this day forward, both of our truths be in a constant <laughs> state of evolution. Sounds may good. May both our truths evolve forever, right? Dave, it has been a pleasure to have you here on the decision table. I'm going to end this broadcast, but thank you for being on the decision table now. Don't you go away because I'll uh, say a few words to you after. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so right. much. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe. Ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, 
a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.